Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, every once in a while, my thoughts wander towards the idea of how a botanical-style aquarium would run in the absence of, like, completely diligent care. Like, if you just sort of let it run on autopilot for a while. Like, what would happen? Now, I know we're all about diligent, thoughtful, regular maintenance of our aquariums, right? I mean, we spend a lot of time, a lot of money, and energy equipping our tanks with suitable gear, embracing excellent practices, and just stay on top of everything in general. You know, making sure that they run perfectly and don't degenerate into some, you know, perceived swamp of death or something similar. So really, what happens in a botanical-style aquarium with, say, a deep leaf litter bed or a bed of botanicals, um, if you should let it go? Let's say we stop doing weekly water exchanges and slip to, say, once a month. Let's say all we're doing is topping off for evaporation during that time period, feeding fishes. That's about it. What do you think will happen? Well... You know, there's a lot to think about, right? Will all the botanical materials simply continue to break down, keeping the water tinted? Will biofilms continue to colonize open surfaces? Will water chemistry swing wildly? Will nitrate and phosphate rise off the charts? Will the aquarium descend into utter chaos? Huh? I mean, I think I have some opinions on the matter based on a tank or two I let run like that in tests over the years. And guess what? It was literally no big deal. The tanks didn't miss a beat. Of course, one could easily argue that it was just me and a couple of tests. However, I proffer this. A well-run botanical-style aquarium that's properly stocked, diligently maintained, and otherwise in good condition has no reason to simply descend rapidly into chaos, right? I just don't think any of us operate our tanks on such a razor's edge between success and disaster that the slightest deviation is going to cause dire consequences, right? Yeah, if they do, you're likely doing something wrong. Really. These systems aren't that fragile. And you have to consider how botanical-style tanks operate in general anyway. I mean, when you think about it, the botanical-style blackwater aquarium or brackish or whatever is sort of set up to replicate a natural habitat where all this stuff is taking place already. Decomposition, enrichment, nutrient import and export. Yeah, so they're set up from day one to function in a natural way to process and assimilate nutrients from a variety of sources. How much more will things change by simply delaying water changes for several weeks? Will nitrate and phosphate accumulate? You know, creating incredible concentrations of this stuff? Or will bacteria, fungal growth, and microorganisms and the crustacean life living in our botanical substrates continue to do what they do? Break down organic waste, utilize the compounds available to them in the system, and continue to reproduce? Is a sort of denitrification taking place in the botanical bed you've created? It's a theory that I'd love to explore more in the future. Not really sure how to go about it, quite honestly, but something to think about. I can't help but wonder if a botanical-style aquarium can better handle a period of this benign neglect than many of the other aquarium types uh, that we play with can. Again, by virtue of the fact that in their normal, everyday function, they're simply configured to process and assimilate nutrients in a very efficient manner. 
So by letting the aquarium just sort of do its thing, perhaps backing off regular water exchanges for some period of time, I can't help but think that you'd see some continued stability for a while before things start deteriorating more significantly. Not that I'd want to do this, mind you. Yet, with a well-maintained, well-configured system, I think you could. So what kind of things could we do to give ourselves a bit of a breathing room in our botanical-style aquariums in the first place to create stable systems which can handle periods of benign neglect when we have our lives get a little bit busy? As most of you who work with these aquariums know, the key to long-term success with them is to go slowly, deploying massive amounts of patience, common-sense husbandry, monitoring of the environmental parameters on a regular basis, and careful stocking management. Not really much different from what you'd do to get any aquarium maintained and, and uh, running for the long haul, right? Yeah, real newsflash there, huh? So it really all starts with the way these tanks run in, and that'll sort of set the tone for the care and the long-term maintenance involved. First off, one of the things that we all experience with these systems is an initial burst of tannins, which will likely provide a significant amount of visible tint to the water. If you're not using activated carbon or some other filtration media, this tint may be more pronounced and likely last a little longer than if you're removing it. And if you use too much carbon, you'll be one of those people who emails me with the starting line like, and I added an entire package of catopolis and my water's barely tinted, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> now, you might also experience a bit of cloudiness or turbidity initially, and this could either be physical dust or materials released from the tissues of the botanicals, or even a burst of bacteria or microorganisms. I'm not really sure, but it usually passes quickly with minimal, if any, intervention required on your part. Oh, and not everybody experiences it. Often it's a phenomenon which seems to happen in brand new tanks, so it might not even be directly attributable to the presence of the botanicals. Well, not 100% anyway. It could be the sand or other, you know, dust or dirt from the hardscape materials and stuff in the tank itself. Oh, and the reality is that, as we've discussed before, in a tank with lots of botanical materials, the water may not always be crystal clear. I mean, sure, it'll be clear, as in you can see across it, but it might have a sort of soupy look to it, some little bit of turbidity. This is for the very reasons stated above and reasons that we talked about in, 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 a very, in a podcast right here just a few days back. Mental shifts are required. So that being said, what happens next? Well, typically, as most of you played with this stuff know, the botanicals begin to soften and break down over a period of weeks. Botanical materials are the very definition of the word ephemeral. Nothing lasts forever, and botanicals are no exception, trust me. Pretty much everything we utilize, from guava leaves to melastoma roots, starts to break down and soften over time. Most botanical materials should be viewed as consumables, meaning that you'll need to replace them over time if you want to maintain a consistent environment both aesthetically and functionally. As we've discussed here ad nauseum, you have the option to leave them in as they break down or remove them, whatever your aesthetic sensibilities tell you to do. Many uh, tinters, as I call you guys, have been leaving their botanicals until they're completely decomposed, utilizing them almost as a sort of botanical mulch, particularly in planted aquariums, and have reported pretty awesome results. As we work more and more on substrates, I think we'll see more and more hobbyists leaving the materials in to fully decompose. That's just my thinking, and I think I'm on to something there. <laughs> However, understanding what's going on, expecting the biofilms, the decomposition, etc., it's only part of the process that mental shift that I talk about so much. The rest is observation of your animals and their reactions, their behaviors, and their overall health. How are they eating? How are they coloring up? How are they behaving? Have you noticed any changes, positive or negative, since you started your blackwater adventure? Are the fish spawning? Have they stopped spawning? Have they started dying? I mean, shit, it's that basic and that important. Yeah, one of the most important behavioral characteristics I think we can have in this hobby, besides patience, is consistency. You've heard me say it many times before. 
like doing the same things on a regular continuous basis. Duh, nothing rocket science. It's not exactly a revolutionary concept in the aquarium world, but it's a very foundational practice or principle, isn't it? I mean, if you're trying to recreate and maintain a consistent you know, set of environmental parameters, it's pretty damn important. Now, I receive a lot of you know, emails from hobbyists who ask me how to keep their blackwater tanks consistent. It's usually in regards to the visible tint, but it's likely also the environmental parameters as well. Now, sure, this may seem almost ridiculously intuitive to most hobbyists, but it's such a common concern that I can't help but consider that we might be overthinking it just a bit. I mean, environmental consistency is not too difficult to achieve, even in an aquarium with lots of botanical materials breaking down. You just have to remember a few things. There's a continuous and dynamic I guess evolution is the word that occurs throughout the existence of these aquariums. And the direction it goes is absolutely influenced by the degree to which we as hobbyists are involved with our systems. So a more holistic approach is warranted. As I've discussed for years, in fact, many times right here in this podcast and this blog, botanicals are ephemeral in nature and they tend to break down and decompose over time after submersion. In order to maintain consistency and stability of the requirements, we regularly need to replenish them. I just said it before. But think about it this way. The act of replacing the decomposing leaves and botanicals not only mimics the processes which happen in nature, i.e. new materials being deposited into the waters, but it serves to continuously refresh or perpetuate the conditions within the aquarium. A sort of mandatory husbandry process that just happens to be the best way to maintain any type of aquarium for the long term, in my opinion. It all boils down, in my opinion, to a sort of checklist of best practices to set up your aquarium for long-term success and for resiliency when you're less than fanatical about the weekly husbandry. So here's, in no particular order, here are, here are some of the things you should think about. Number one, start slowly, gradually building up your quantities of botanical materials over a period of weeks or months until you reach a level that you like aesthetically and which provides the type of manageable environmental parameters you're comfortable with. Number two, Employ basic common sense husbandry protocols, you know, weekly water exchanges, careful feeding, and use and replacement of chemical filtration media. Number three, stock your aquarium with fishes gradually over time, over a period of months, preferably with smaller fishes that can grow with the aquarium and produce less metabolic waste during that initial critical, you know, first few months of the aquarium as it establishes itself. Number four, regularly monitor basic water parameters over the first couple of months to establish a baseline of how your aquarium functions and runs chemically. Continue this practice, of course, throughout the lifetime of the aquarium, but monitoring it in the early stages will give you sort of that baseline so you can see what's normal for the tank and what isn't. Number five, regularly remove and or replace decomposing botanicals or not, depending on your preference, with new ones to, to help keep that same visual tint and consistent TDS and pH, etc., etc. And again, uh, whatever you decide to do, whether it's let these things mineralize, you know, break down totally mineralize or, or break them out and take them out the minute they start breaking down, be consistent about it. Number six, note any trends or deviations from the baseline over time and adjust as needed to stay within a fairly tight range, whether that means more water changes, adding less of this, more of that, whatever. Try to be consistent with your practices and keep the, the environmental parameters in a tight range. You can't get obsessed with numbers, but if you can keep them within a few clicks, uh, you know, pH-wise or you know, TDS, those things will serve as, as markers when something that seems amiss, you'll say, oh, the numbers correspond to that. And number seven, most important, stay calm, move slowly and make adjustments with what I call finesse. In other words, don't make these big panic knee-jerk reactions. Respond to problems or changes 
with thoughtfulness, not with this incredibly urgent, you know, necessity. Fish are remarkably resilient in many cases. You just have to be observant, especially if you see what's going on. Parameters likely don't just crash or, you know, change overnight. They could, but it's it's very unusual in a well-maintained aquarium. So yeah, I'm a fairly obsessive husbandry guy. I love my weekly water exchanges, but I don't get too upset or freaked out if for whatever reason I miss an exchange or two from time to time. Why? Because I configure my botanical style aquariums for the long term. That's an interesting question and perhaps an interesting experiment for the intrepid hobbyist. Don't ask me why it was on my mind this morning. I mean, I did my water changes over the weekend. Really? Really, I mean it. Until next time, just relax a little bit. Stay calm. Stay cool. Stay observant. Stay habitual. Stay diligent. And stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Bellman. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.